Hello and welcome to this special podcast, Loath Seaters. It's episode 813, but this is going to be the Christmas white pill episode because this should be going out on Christmas Day. This is pre-recorded, so we won't be going through any comments at the end because, well, I'm sat at the dinner table and having a delicious turkey right now, and so should these lads be. But uh, we decided to do something nice and talk about some good news for once, and Surprisingly, there is some good news to talk about this year. I think you you both will be able to explain that. And I'm I'm going with a different different tack here for my segment. So let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, that explains the jumpers, I guess. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, so I just thought I'd say some good things did happen this year. Although I have to say, not many good things happened this year. Uh, not nearly as many as I wanted to happen. But what can you do? But um, and just to be warned, we've recorded this about a month in advance of when it's you're going to see it so things may have changed but uh malay apparently is going to scrap argentina's uh, argentina tina's argentina's version of the bbc which is great i'm skeptical about malay i know everyone is but i know i'm skeptical too but the thing is the way i'm looking at it is just like you know what it's the best we got Like, it's literally the best we've got. Some best we've got is an open yep. borders. Yep, yep. Uh, Unironically, he's the, like. So the way the way I'm looking at this is that essentially there's a sort of global reaction to the globalist order, and each country produces a kind of champion that represents their national character. Yes, and Malay is very definitely South American. Yes, <laughs> and so he is exactly what I would expect to come out of Argentina. Um, and so I'm going to totally embrace it, accept it as it is. I'm I'm not in any way judgmental about these things, especially when he says things like, there's no room for gradualism. There's no room for lukewarmness or half measures. There's no way back. It's like, okay, okay, come on, let's let's go wild. Let's go nuts. You're in charge now. Go for it. And so basically, he's just going to just abolish the state broadcaster in Argentina. Uh, we consider public TV has become a propaganda mechanism. I do not adhere to those practices of having a propaganda ministry. Public TV is to be privatized. It's like, yes, privatize it all. I, I, I do feel that meme of, I see what you've done for other people, Lord Jesus, and I want it for me too. With this, with this policy I've got a particular. load of caveats. I just wish you'd do yes. it over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's going to dismantle the central bank and, of course, replace the peso with the US dollar. Oh, dear. Slash yes. social subsidies and halve the number of gov- government ministries. And, uh, I mean, he really did begin on day one as well. Um, that would work. That's not working for some reason, John. There we, there we go. go. Uh, Ministry of Women, Gender, and Equality, Afuero. I suppose that's probably the easiest one to close very quickly because what what does this do? God only knows. Okay, so in implement your, communism. Yeah, in your coverage <laughs> of this with Josh on day one, you were saying there are certain departments which could exist for good purposes. The problem is they're perverted by yeah. ideologues. If you did have a women and men's minister in a competent country that recognised sex-specific differences and controlled things like the international surrogacy trade, I'd be like, great, okay, that's fine. That that wasn't that. But the fact that it says gender inequality in there as well means it's always going to be ideologically bankrupt. So just get. Rid I of can't that. think of a single country at the moment that would do anything good with any sort of department like this. No, this is obviously a communist tool used to try and continually, gradually implement communism in a country. Afuero. Um, so good start. And again, like this, we're recording this a month in advance. He may have dismantled a bunch of other stuff by the time you watch this. We, we can only hope. God willing. Says the atheist, um, but he will have done. Uh, another, another good news is uh, get Wilders. 
who very recently, in fact, yesterday, so again, a month ago for you, no idea what's going to happen. Don't know if any of the other parties will enter into coalition. But what I love, at least about the far right, is the hair. It did, did Trump's Madame Tussauds wax work come to life? Maybe, but have you not noticed that everyone on the far right has just got great hair? Thank you. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. It, just saying, like, if there's one thing, at least we've got style, you know? I mean... Uh, yeah, we've got style. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we do, actually. On Christmas, that you wear Christmas, Christmas style. Jumpers. Yeah, on Christmas, you wear Christmas jumpers. It's appropriate. Although, um, as a distributor pointed out on Twitter the other day, and this was re- retweeted by Michaele... What's the guy from... Michaele. Michaele. Yeah. Wait, distrib- yeah. distribute... Yeah, retweet- yeah, yeah. By him. Because he, he tweeted... I love Bukele, but he he's dressed like Mark Zuckerberg, where the capes, where, where South American dictators need to you know, dress like it. He retweeted that. I mean, Pinochet okay. did have much better style than Bukele, well, they, so he's got to start did, really. raising yeah, well, his standards. Say what you will about Gaddafi, but at least he went out in style. Yeah, I mean, at least he was interesting to look at, you know. Um, what but, happened to Gaddafi, by the way? Because I didn't realize. What I, happened to Gaddafi? Right, he was no, stabbed I know, in the bum. No, I, I, I know <laughs> I'm not that. Joking. It's that. I saw like when Mary Harrington did her thread of twink death for oh, dictators. Yes. And- <laughs> Editor, flash this up. Right. I saw for the first time ever. <laughs> Gaddafi's twink death. It was abysmal. It was terrible. Listen, he was a chad when he was younger. I don't know what happened to melt his face like that. I have no idea, but the, the very concept of twink death strikes me as being an insanely feminine thing. Yeah, but it, it's coming from it's true, the women that are observing it. And I was exactly. really disturbed because I have a quite striking resemblance to a young version of the Romanian dictator, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to have to... Young him does look a little bit like me if I ever shave, so I'm slightly worried. That is really funny. Anyway, uh, as you can see, the PVV on 35 uh, seats... Uh, projected from the exit polls, but um, the other parties BTFO'd. Uh, and this, of course, is in the light of the Hamas attack on Israel. Suddenly, everyone's like, wait a minute, are these guys actually barbarians? And uh, Gert Wilder's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. I want to ban the Quran in the Netherlands. You know, I mean, if you're, not, you're not familiar. Like, I haven't followed his rise uh, to Okay, power. well, he's he's been a very content, con- contentious figure in uh Dutch politics, because he's been saying um, things that are true, but not very um, kindly put right. often. Uh, and he's always had a core, hard core of support. And now he's got a much broader core of support because it seems that the um, Islamic radicals insist on proving him right, basically. Mm. Uh, and so, anyway, whether he gets uh, enough uh, enough people in uh, other parties in the government who will prepare to enter into a coalition with him, I don't know, because of course, the Netherlands having proportional representation have this massive plurality of parties, so no one ever gets a majority. And so basically, he needs to find someone who will agree to a government with him. I don't know whether that's going to happen. That's doubtless going to have been resolved by the time you guys watch this, so post in the comments and let me know, although I'm sure I'll be aware at the time. Anyway, so I thought I'd go on to some other good things that were good news, and not just politics. They are, oh yeah, by the way, this is the, the map of who got the most votes in every district. The light blue is Gert Wilders. Quite popular then. Good in there. Also, like the, the flash this up on screen. This is this is young Ceausescu. What happened to that man? Again, you, he does look quite a lot like you. I know he does. Listen, yeah. you're, you're saying it as if it's a bad thing, right? All I'm seeing there is a beardless boy who's got no experience and no credibility. That's why when you've got when you've got a big fat dictator wearing. Yeah, but you can main you can maintain 
good looks I know, into, and I have, into but... older age. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, it's okay for the guy to get ugly if he's a massive dictator. I mean, like Gaddafi wearing basically... Um, he looked like a yeah, sofa. No. <laughs> he, look, he, he looked like Tim Curry in that video yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, 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 right. And so that, but that's fine. That's it, it. Looks like Gaddafi held a magnifying glass to his face, reflecting yeah. the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does, melted yeah. him. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> that was, poor man. And that's not poor. He's in charge of an entire country. That's not the worst thing that happened to Gaddafi. Yeah, I know, well, yeah, I know that's yeah, exactly. not the worst. Gaddafi, not quite the twink he used to be. I think that's low on his list of priorities. I, <laughs> just saying. I did like that Harrington put uh, Stalin as 10 out of 10. He got better with age. He was like a what? fine wine. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's totally not true. Like, there are going to be loads of young women who are like, wait. Yeah, but know. there's one photo of young Stalin where he looks decent, and then Ooh. the rest of them, he doesn't. Oh, really? I've only seen that one. He looks person. like a well-put-together, kindly grandfather. As he got older, and that's the uh, I will that's admit, a very charitable way. Declaration: of He wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't. But he one of history's that. greatest mass murderers, actually. He, yeah. <laughs> he did project that image quite well, though, didn't he? I like, I mean, I'm not saying that if you if you didn't know who Stalin was, you saw a picture of him. You might be like, oh, he's getting his grandkids some sweets or something. You know, sure, taken straight from the mouths of the kulaks. Yeah, exactly. I like her opinion on Mao was just consistently mid. Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> So, uh, good news. Speaking uh, of consistently mid. Yeah, good news. Um, Marvel is dying, basically, which is great. And yep. I say that as a Marvel uh, just cinematic universe hater. Uh, I mean, I'm not even irrational about it. I've, I've got a long list of genuine grievances. Um, They've got some good films. Yeah, about a decade ago. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was good this year because it was totally apolitical and entertaining. It genuinely was. You'd probably enjoy I, it. I can still go back to that very first Iron Man yeah, film that's the only and have like. a good time. Yeah, that's the only one I like. Because that was before it became a treadmill of just printing films. Also, in my estimation, Jeff Bridges being in a film always knocks it up a notch. Sure. Um, but anyway, so uh, they're losing money, basically. Um, they had a 75% second week box office drop-off for as far as I can remember. 75%? Yeah. And the first weekend wasn't that great. The first weekend with. was abysmal. Not, it was their worst I, I think their budget for this was like 500 million when you take into account yep. marketing. Yep. What were you thinking? Yep. And so it lost 60 million, something like that. The other, other ones have been losing like 20 million, I think. It's like, great. I, I love to see the uh, downward spiral of the girl boss, to be honest. Do you know that the director said she was inspired by The Last of Us Part 2? Womp womp. Well, well, I'm just, I'm just looking here to get see what you deserve. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We do have more projects between now and when this will go out. I think the well, main let's one hope being they're absolute duds. What if season two? That's Are we all excited? That's director streaming. So that's director streaming. I've never they'll, heard of they'll, they'll never release the figures for it. I've never. Heard it's like an alternate history animated series it. of like if each movie ended differently. So they made Black Panther, Star Lord, for some reason. What if Captain America was a whammon? Yeah. What if we turned off the TV? <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, lowest ever opening for Marvels. As you said, 75% drop off. Um, absolutely tanking. DC's facing the same thing. Do you know Aquaman 2 has been written to be about climate change? I started seeing trailers for that pop up here and there, and I was, I was sat next to my missus, and the trailer pops up, and she immediately grimaced. She went, <laughs> oh, what's that? Yeah. I love it. Marvel is giving women the ick. Oh, that one was DC, but both. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't make a distinction between them. Cape, Cape is uh, giving women the ick. Yeah, I wish that I actually cared about this stuff anymore. Yeah, I, d I don't at all, and I'm totally sick of seeing it, and so I'm glad to see it. 
Um, I've, I should have really had that at the end of the segment, but I didn't think about it. So uh, never mind, we'll carry on. Um, the left <laughs> is getting totally purged, actually. Um, wrong article up here, John. I actually changed that. Um, but um, this is a bit of an old one. But basically, there's a new one. How um, just the Democrats are just like, hang on a second. Is the left the problem? It's like, yes, the left is the problem. And you need to purge them, right? Don't worry about getting the thing up because let's move straight on to Keir Starmer. Well, I, I don't necessarily, um, not to rain on everybody's parade, but I don't see the Democrats embracing a Starmer centrism well, as being a good thing. Well, I mean, not that's that not, signals to me total uniparty dominance. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's necessarily good or bad. I'm just, well, I mean, it is necessarily good when the left gets absolutely trashed and kicked out of politics. Uh, in my opinion, because I mean, at the end of the day, like I don't mind if things don't collapse as long as they don't turn us into communists. Like, if that's small ask, I think I think they're inextricable at this point as well. With, <laughs> well, I, the, with the nature of the United States, I'm, pre- I'm prepared to entertain that as well. Uh, given um, that it's a it's a country deluding it, well, continent deluding itself into thinking it's a country. If something does happen in a neighbouring democrat state, they can just flee over the border and bring their terrible policies there, as seen with the electoral map for Texas. Hmm. Hmm. But. In good Britain, news. Good the, news. The good news in Britain is that the Labour Party, I mean, they are going to win, but they might not be radical. They will be about six months after winning. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, I don't know. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> but the Good news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not optimistic because I think we're in a downward spiral and there's no pulling out of it until we crash. Um, however, on the plus side, at least the downward spiral won't be conducted by someone like Jeremy Corbyn, right? Right. So Keir Starmer at least wants to think of himself as a centrist moderate, and so he'll do stupid radical left-wing things, but in a way that is not quite as extreme as could otherwise be done. This is a positive. So it's more like a Farage plane crash rather than a Andes have to eat your friends to survive plane crash. Exactly. We might actually be able to walk away from it, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, look, look, I tried to find good news. This is the best I could do. It's, it's not great, okay? Enjoy your Christmas copium, everyone. Yeah, it is absolutely copium. Um, obviously, you've got loads of Corbynites who are just like, well, Starmer is purging the left. He's kicking us all out of the party. He's not doing any of the left-wing things we asked him to do. And it's like, okay, good. I mean, that's just minor positive. But I thought the most positive thing that I found, and we'll end on this, uh, not that, is... <laughs> A smartphone band. Well, the, the robot hand's a good thing. 3D printed robot hands. If you've lost your hand, oh, you nice. have a robot hand. That's cool. Um, but I thought we'd end with uh, Ireland's smartphone school band. It's uh, approved in the town where it all began. Um, so in Greystones in County Wicklow, um, the parents just launched a kind of no smartphone code uh, where the head teachers from the town's eight primary schools wrote to parents, asked them to sign up to the ban, and all the parents basically agreed. Primary and- school. Yeah, I know. Primary school. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah, but the fact that they're in primary school. I know, but the fact that... Oh, parents. Uh, I know, but at least the parents are like, yeah, actually, no, these are a bad you, thing. Because just so I can say, one of, one, of the, one of the major arguments for kids having smartphones is that all the kids have smartphones, right? And so, oh, he can't be left out. He won't be able to contact his friends, blah, blah, blah. That's one of the arguments they make, that, that everyone makes, to make sure the kids have smartphones. It's like, okay, well, how about we just ban smartphones for kids? And then that's an, the argument taken off the table. And that's what this town in Ireland has done. And it seems to have worked, actually. Mm. It seems to have done a really good job. Um, ministers in the Irish cabinet uh, have approved new guidelines on banning smartphones in school, which have been brought forward by Education Minister Norma Foley. And the proposals would help 
parents just collectively implement these bands. And uh, one of the parents uh, whose daughters go to Greystones called Christina Capatina. Um, Very Irish name. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Yes. But okay, whatever. Don't. Um, she's, she says this. It's completely solved the problem. <laughs> really, has it? Just banning the kids from having access to the drugs has completely solved the drug problem. Wait, what if we as Incredible. adults have authority over children? Yeah, the, is that well, they, the conversation no, no, actually they, they do, and they've they've been like, yeah, we can actually do that, can't we? Yes, we can. Oh, that solved the problem. Brilliant. So we have a, a really nice little model here. Um, the code was voluntary, but all the parents just basically chose to take part. A couple, apart from a couple, but then they became like the weird outsiders who, you know, no, my kids are definitely having access to that heroin. Thank you very much. So okay, weird hill to die on. It was voluntary. You just shouldn't have bought it for them in the first place. Yeah, I know, but the so thing is, it's not the way that people think. You know, they think social pressure is what because the, the kids are like all my friends have them. You know, and so they have to do it. You know, you you find yourself sort of pressured into it. Well, re remember, Connor, you got to know that you've got cancer before you can begin to treat it. Yeah, uh, and so um, apparently, school principals all over the world are getting in touch with the school with messages of support, ind an indication of how universal parents' fears over childhood smartphone use are. Yes, so we can just ban them. There is going to be a push for that in this country. It's already good, been. and we should but do it. Um, literally, no one under sixteen should have a smartphone. In my opinion, can't smoke, can't have a smartphone. Although that that risky sonic will increase that by age, so I'll be the last person in the country with a smartphone. Because I'll be the oldest. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that statement broad. No one should have a smartphone. I don't know. I do. It is a useful tool. Yeah, but it is heroin. It's technological heroin, as you suggested. Not that's not, not just for the kids. That's for us as well. Okay, don't make me... Oh, God. Yeah, okay, fine. But it's a really <laughs> useful tool and I can work on the go. By work, he means use Twitter again. That is my work. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I get millions of views. We're, look, we're promoting the furthest right propaganda we can to the biggest <laughs> audience that we can. And it's like, look, that's, that's, that's great work. I think I'm doing good work. Anyway, so that's uh, that's just some good news that I think happened this year. There wasn't that much of it, but it was some good stuff. All right, then. So going on to my bit. Yeah, I did struggle to find some good news. Right, anyway. I thought I'd just talk about how the right actually wins and how they won this year. And it's been mainly through legislation. We often hear okay. the aphorism from Andrew Breitbart, politics is downstream from culture. Well, cultural changes often come downstream of legal changes, legal changes that go unnoticed because of a long march through the institutions. And there has since been a philosophy in the last couple of years from folks like Chris Rufo, who have said, we need a reactionary vanguard to quietly go into institutions, use the institutions, waning liberal sentiments against them, and flip the long march on its head and get back to something healthier again. So it's not just all ideologically captured. And so I thought I'd go through a few bills. This probably won't be able to go on YouTube because some of those bills result in you know, kids being protected from the gender stuff, but oh well. Again, and YouTube's are not on our watch. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so this is the good news I found. All right, that's fine. So the first one is that some of our guests, friends, and the like got a university freedom of speech bill pushed through. So this was the Higher Education Freedom of Speech Act, twenty third, twenty three, and it allows students, academics, and even visiting speakers to bring civil proceedings against universities, student unions, the like, if they are found to be guilty of acts of political bias, censorship, or unfair dismissal. So if you get your event cancelled, or if you're an academic thrown out of tenure like Kathleen Stock was because she was hounded by crazy students, then you can sue and be reinstated. Hang on, is this why we're suddenly able to do university talks again? Yes. Because unironically, we're 
being invited back to universities all of a sudden. I mean, that and uh, I've, since going to Conservative Party conference and the like, people are like, oh, hey, it's you from Lotus Eaters. Do you want to come down and annoy all of the student unions? So it's, oh. it's also a personal thing. Though we did have our Bristol one. The event was... So by the time that this goes out, we've already done the event. They had to find a new location because the student union revoked the security license under the grounds of worries about Israel and Palestine. That was the reason given. What? Yeah. So we still got to do the event. Hope you all enjoyed it. I'm pro are they af- fire. Are they afraid the IDF's going to raid the speaker <laughs> or something? Yeah, apparently my Mossad connections are getting us in trouble. I, I knew it, so you admit it. I've just proven all the dissident right correct, I suppose. Uh, they also appointed a new director of freedom of speech and academic freedom to sit on the board of the Office for Students. Their efficacy has yet to be tested, but it's a bureaucrat. Step in the right direction. Though. Better than it was before. Well done to the likes of Matt Goodwin, Doug Stokes, Eric Kaufman, all of whom we've done interviews with. They'll probably be linked in the description on this webpage. You can go and watch them. People are listening, at least. And we've got some credible people that believe the things we do, that know their stuff, and are pushing for changes in the law. That's very good. Speaking of changes in the law, we've had the gender-affirming care bans. Now, this has come from the backs of some of the stuff that we've done, hopefully, in the UK, um, like my conversation with Richie Heron. It's also been off the backs of people like Matt Walsh and actually someone who I've spoken to. This is already out by the time that you guys get to watch this. Uh, Billboard Chris, absolute gentleman. I will admit I had a bit of a Jordan Peterson moment with some of these stories that he was going through because some of the stuff in here is harrowing. So it did get to me a bit. But Chris is a absolute gentleman and the sort of dad that I would hope to be eventually. So great stuff. Go listen to him. He's been talking to plenty of Republicans. He's tried to make some waves in Canada, but it hasn't quite worked because they still voted for a conversion therapy bill ban. We'll get onto that in the UK in a bit. But in the States, we're seeing quite a few states that have turned around and said, actually, we're going to ban some of these procedures because they're not necessary. There's no evidentiary basis. And even if that were the only heuristic we're going off of, you know, that's that's negotiable. But it's premised on a fundamentally false claim that you can change your sex. So why are we lying to and hurting children? Not good. So this is an article that's moaning about it, but I mean, we can just enjoy the fact that I think it's now 20 states that have passed bills and another oh, really? 12 that have proposed them, but the Democrat legislature shot them down. But the ones that have passed the bills are Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia. So to varying degrees of success, some have banned Everything from puberty blockers to hormone treatments to surgeries. Some have only done bland, banned the surgeries. Some have done the hormone treatments and the surgeries. But steps in the right direction. This year, yeah, yeah. legally speaking, because certain elections were won, because certain members of our wing of the dissident media and newly formed activist pressure groups have come out and said, here's what they're doing to kids. Why won't you listen? Kids have been protected. Wonderful. Yeah, that's actually a positive. You know, small yeah. steps. Um, it's also been happening across Europe. So that's positive. So this is now France, Finland, Norway, Sweden, even the Dutch who created the Dutch study are looking at this, and NHS England as well. Now, mm. of course, with the permeable migration options within the EU and within the UK, you can go over relatively open borders and yeah. seek treatment elsewhere. It's frustrating. But again, small steps. So Finland, new treatment guidelines put out in 2020 advised against the use of puberty-blocking drugs and other medical interventions as a first line of care for teens with adolescent-onset dysphoria. Sweden's National Board of Health and Welfare followed suit in 2022. They said such treatment should only be given under exceptional circumstances or in a research context. The reason they didn't do this before 
is because with any research project, this is what happened in Tavistock, you have to have a blind control group as well. Mm. So there was a coin toss as to if you were a kid, whether or not you'd be entered into the blind control group or just get the puberty blockers. So they said, well, we're going to forego the blind control group and just give everyone the puberty blockers and do a follow-up study. And that's now been declared, well, that's awful. So this does mean that some kids are probably still going to sign up to the clinical trial, <clears throat> but that means that less of them are going to be put on this and they're going to be spared this fate. So okay. that's incrementally positive. The National Academy of Medicine in France recommended a plus grand reserve in the use of puberty blockers. And then a national investigatory board in Norway expressed concerns about the treatment and the only gender clinic in the UK currently until March 2024 when they go regional. Um, that was formerly the GIDS clinic at, at Tavistock. They closed down and they have said, we are not going to provide puberty blockers to children as a treatment measure outside of the clinical research context. And this means that even though they're doing these satellite clinics now, the official NHS England guidance is to not do that. So those clinics will be operating under that auspice. We've just got to keep an eye on those clinics as they emerge if they don't stick to that. So again, baby steps. Right. Just the thing though, um, I always find the Americans really interesting, especially the American left, really interesting. Because I think they think that Europe is actually a lot more liberal than it actually is when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Um, for Like abortion, for example. Yes. Like, oh, we can have abortion up until the point of birth. And the French are like, no, you can have it for 15 weeks. Yes. I mean, in America, the Democrats would scream and pull their hair out over that. I think there's nine states in the US that allow it up to full term, yeah. which is monstrous. Evil. Yeah, it's genuinely monstrous. Completely evil. But I think a lot of Americans take a look at the Nordic model or have heard of the Nordic model. Yeah, have an impression in their mind of yes. what they think the Nordic model is. Yeah, and they make up these yeah, yeah, yeah. wild fantasies yeah. in their heads. Yeah. Nordic model, that sounds like it means my kind of socialism. It, it must be liberal utopia. Well, in know? 2016 on the campaign trail, Bernie Sanders kept quoting the Nordic model and I forget, it might have been the Prime Minister of Norway that no, came it was Denmark. He, Denmark. He, he called them socialists and the Prime Minister of Denmark was like, no, we're capitalists, what are you talking about? Mm. And they're just like, okay, Bernie, shut up. Yeah, there goes your fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Because, but the thing is, on on a lot of things like with kids and with abortion and stuff like that, Europe's actually very quite a lot more conservative than you know, than America is, and sometimes even more conservative than the Republican states. So just be warned; it's not as simple as just oh, Europe liberal, you know. Yeah, and thankfully so. Yeah, it seems yeah. things are trending in the right direction. Still yeah. uphill battle, but as long as more kids are getting saved, I'm. I'm happy. And speaking of which, we even had a small, I repeat, very small <laughs> political win with the Conservative tiny, Party. Tiny win. Uh, Rishi Sunak has decided not to go forward with the gender <laughs> and sexuality conversion therapy bill ban. Now, to oh, the big this, issues here. Is that, is that who I think it is in the pride flag mask? It what, is Peter, Peter Tatchell. Yep. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Who's very upset about the fact that kids are being protected, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so Rishi Sunak has listened to the Conservative Party that turned around and said, okay, what you need to do is disaggregate the fact that conversion therapy for gay people doesn't just mean electroshocks on the brain. It means the ability for therapists to have exploratory conversations at the request of the patient, even Josh if they don't be glorified. Voluntary conversations. Yes. This is not being imposed on anyone. Yes. And even if they don't work, they should be allowed to do so. And then lumping trans in with that means affirmation only as the model because you aren't allowed to turn around and say to a child, well, your gender dysphoria might be a product of the five to six other comorbidities that almost every patient comes along with that might be the source of this rather than you being born in the wrong body. You're not allowed to say that under the conversion therapy ban bill, which Labour has said they're going to do. Fortunately, it has been shelved. Now, at ARC, Danny Kruger did turn around and say, 
we expect one of our insidious colleagues to introduce this as a private member's bill somewhere down the road. Yeah. Probably someone aligned with Penny Mordaunt, let's be honest, because she's been pushing for this. I mean, Theresa May was the one that tabled it originally. But for the time being, it's been shelved. Right. Not bad. Temporary stay of... Execution? Yeah, execution, yeah. But I mean, like, this is just such a small win, though. Like, I don't, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to doubt. You asked me to find positive stories. I know, right? I know, I know. But it's it's just so small. It's such a fringe. Like, okay, we're we're gonna have a tiny win on an irrelevant issue, basically. The the sad thing is, though, like it's not irrelevant. Well, no, no, it's not irrelevant. But you know what I mean? Like, there are much more pressing things for most people in the country. This this only affects a very very small slice of the population. But I mean, it is important. I don't know. I I like. Speaking of people coming up with deranged fantasies in their heads, I, I've got an amusing idea in my head now of a conversion, ther- conversion therapy session where the person's like, I think I'm transgender. Oh, well, you might just be autistic. Have you considered 4chan instead? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we saw how that played out for Chris Chan, so perhaps, perhaps, uh, perhaps not, perhaps not, not the road we want to go down. <laughs> just saying. Uh, the last one that has been positive, it's been a development, and again, little bit of bit of sweetness in the UK how this has been adopted but we'll take the wins where we can get them this is the age verification stuff that's been going around in the US oh yeah and so they haven't gone down the EU and and UK online safety bill control of the internet thing I'm sure the Biden administration wants to do it in a very different way but because the way that the states govern themselves various states have turned around and said hang on why why don't we have age verification for adult content websites. This seems like a, just a sensible measure. Every child in the school has got a smartphone, but there's absolutely nothing stopping them from accessing Mia Khalifa. Yeah, so they've turned around and said, okay, if you need ID to buy alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Or pornography in a shop. Yeah, then you should probably have the same <laughs> thing online. And do you know how this came about? Because, no. So one of the Republican gov- uh, uh, state representatives of Louisiana watched the Howard Stern show. Oh, no. I just glanced at your notes. Go so, Billie Eilish <sighs> said, I was exposed to porn at 11 and it destroyed my brain and it meant I couldn't have a real relationship. And she went, I agree with it. Yeah. As a mum, that sounds really sad. So I'm going to do something about that. And so she put forward a bill that says porn websites are legally liable unless the websites, quote, perform reasonable age verification methods, which requires showing some form of state-recognized ID to show that you're over 18. It passed the House 96 to 1 who was the one, and the state senate 34 to 0, and this sent the industry into total meltdown. I'm just going to enjoy the fact that, that they really didn't like this. So this is, a, this is according to Ethical Capital Partners, which is the company that owns Pornhub. Let that settle in. Yeah, that's Look, a if great you've got name. to put the word ethical in your company name, it makes me think that you're uh, not as ethical as you claim to be. I, I know it's overused as a trope, but it, it is quite Orwellian when they say Ministry of Truth and it's the body of censorship, ethical capital literally a human trafficking website. But but there you go. They said that their traffic in the state has dropped 80%. Oh, actually, it does seem to work. Yeah. How, how strange. Nobody's been applying for their porn, lo- porn licenses. <laughs> Weirdly, banning stuff actually gets rid of most of it. Yeah. Also, 80%. So what proportion of your website traffic is children? Uncomfortable conversation, I'm sure. Well, I, I mean, that might also just be people not willing to you know, show their ID so that they can yeah, watch yeah. porn. Yeah, sure. I mean, to be fair, I, there's no way I'd send any ID to a porn website. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just no. Uh, the other three states where the I'm laws... I'm uncomfortable giving you my IP when I log into your site. <laughs> the other states where the laws have been in effect, so that's Utah, Mississippi, and Virginia, for a few months, 
they just shut down their website entirely. So they thought it was actually too costly to process the, the user information and do data protection. So they just went, no, we're not, we're not running it here. And instead you get sort of an error message saying that your state legislature has, has blocked it. Uh, so six other states have passed copycat legislation. 16 others have introduced similar or identical bills. So by January the 1st, 2024, and this is when uh, the Montana law is going into effect, 54 million Americans will live in states where they're required to upload their ID in order to access these kinds of websites. And the UK is now in the process of implementing a similar thing, thanks to Miriam Cates, who felt forced to do it with an amendment to the online harms bill, which is frustrating, but it was going to pass anyway. But Hey, good news. Um, kids won't be able to watch weird sex stuff on the internet and you know, go down the trans pipeline from that way. So That's a win. It's a win. It's a slow win. So this is a dad, that's a win. Man. Yeah. So for everyone that's super discouraged about the state of the country, if we do put a bit of effort in, we can at least weaponize the law against our enemies and save some kids. That's that's not the worst outcome, I suppose. You're gonna get some reing over that last question. Of course there. I am, and I just don't care. They're gonna be <laughs> libertarians on the internet no I must goon <laughs> that's going to get kicked out of context congratulations guys have you considered uh, going outside no they have they have to encrust their goon cave <laughs> I want to Harry. congratulate you in advance on the meme compilations that yep. are going to be made of that clip so I decided instead of trying to draw blood from a stone, which is scouring <laughs> the headlines, find good news in politics, good news, yeah. which is not going to happen, I decided to go with some good news, which I consider more to be a perennial truth or persistent truth for the time being. In similar manner to Peter Hitchens, everything that I'm going to talk about in this segment is a threat. These are the things that I find beautiful and that I find that, I, that, that inspire love from me for the country that we live in, because England is still beautiful. Britain as a whole is still an incredibly beautiful place to live. Earlier on this year, for my birthday, I took a trip to Wales, and having not really driven around Wales before outside of the coastline, which is probably the most heavily built up, I had completely forgotten how much of Wales is still a very rural country. Yeah. It's all mountains and forests, and it was glorious. It was some of the most peaceful and relaxing time that I've had over the past few years. So there is still a lot to love in this country, in this nation. It is all under threat, as far as I can tell, from various different forces, from the government, from property development, from mass migration, etc. But for the time being, these are still things that we can hold on to and recognize as our own. For instance, I came across earlier this month this rather lovely example of the fact that high trust culture, the classic English culture, still exists in parts of the country, especially the more rural countryside, where people have these closed communities, these very close-knit communities where you can all trust one another and trust that if you do something like this. So for those listening, this is an image up of a country road where there is a box stationed at the side of the road that's full of Walker's crisps. It's got some water in it, some eggs even. Some, uh, some soft drinks. So it's there to set up so that people who are going for country walks, which is one of the most relaxing and fulfilling things that you can do, as far as I'm concerned, as someone who's often gone on a walk around the country, a nice ramble to pass the afternoon on a lazy day where you've not got anything to do. If you're going for a particularly long one, you might find that you're a bit, bit peckish, a bit hungry, a bit thirsty, and they've left all of this there with a little sign attached to it saying water, one pound, cans, one pound. 
and there's a little box where you can leave the money in it. Look, sorry to interrupt, but look look at that comment just under. You call Lay's chips walkers? I hate American solipsism. Oh, don't all of the rest of the Europeans call it Lay's as well? Though? Yeah, but they're yeah, but that's dumb, a company, isn't it? It's a brand. I don't know. Walkers is a different brand. Uh, it's all crisps to me. <laughs> oh, is it right? Uh, okay, yeah, but we're John's right. voice emanated yeah. from below. Yeah, the, the, the fillers in on that one. I say it. Go on. Sorry. But the, but I'm trying to give good news. I'm trying no, to talk sorry, about how high trust culture that is, that still is exists. That is a genuinely beautiful thing. Like, it, it is a beautiful thing. Whether you like those crisps or sweets or not, it's wonderful that you can still go to parts of the country where you can trust that I can leave all of these snacks, this drinks, this water, and people won't nick it. People will <laughs> people feel, pay the money and actually take the product and won't have to control it. And, and nobody has to be there to yeah, enforce yeah. it. It's the trolley problem, yeah. except... Everybody knows the rules and everybody sticks to those rules because the English have. Go, go back, John. Go back. So this, this is why we must stop migration, right? This actually, Mary, of, Mary has an article called the, like, the Death of the Honesty Box that talks about mass migration yeah. and how it like, comes. Anyone from any other country would just arrive here and be like, Nick it. Yeah. Well, so the two places that I went to this year, Japan and, and the States. The Japanese, yeah. Well, as well in Boston. Um, no, not Boston. Massachusetts. So I went to Cambridge. Not, not built up Boston, but the sort of. Harvard area, yeah. very Anglo. They have honesty boxes. They have open take it and leave it libraries. Mm. It's funny how they've got all the progressive yard signs, but they live in an almost entirely affluent white high trust area. So yeah. the consequences of their policies never affect them. The Japanese, and I've, I've said this before, they have vending machines on every corner. They're never vandalized. There's not an inch of graffiti. There's no homeless people there, which is very surprising. Uh, not really, because they don't have. They're problems. all interned. Well, they don't have addiction problems and, and nearly to the scale that we do. So, you know, right. but they have vending machines everywhere. Absolutely no public bins, but no litter. And it's because people actually care enough about their area to pick up and take things with them. So it is about culture and consideration of the place that you live. And we had that once. Well, even in the cities, we still had that. There was an excellent quote from, um, I always forget how to pronounce his name, Lee Kuan Yun, the uh, Singaporean Singapore. uh, leader. After World War II, he visited London and saw how high trust it was, how everybody got along, everybody was very courteous and polite to one another. And he said, I will make Singapore like this place. London doesn't look <laughs> like that anymore. No, it doesn't. Sadly, a lot of our major cities don't look like that anymore. But you can still find this beautiful culture, this wonderful culture out in the countryside, out in the rural spaces where people know each other, they like each other, and they know they can rely on one another. And it's a very beautiful thing. And it's a reminder that we do have deep history. We do have deep ties to this land. We built this country. And there are many things that you can look at that are reminders of that. And once again, it's the fact that they're reminders. Does what it- is the country doing at the moment other than wasting who knows how much untold money on HS2? Just a quick thing as well on this. Just, It's hard to understand just how many fortuitous events have to come together to make something like this possible. Mm-hmm. Like It's just a genuine sort of pyramid of history that ends in the honesty box that can just exist and people pay their own money and take the thing that they want. And that just carries on. Like There are so many prerequisite accomplishments civilizationally that that is built on top of. And we, just, we look at it and go, oh, that's cute. But it's like, no, that, that's... A, genuine triumph of English civilization. As far as I'm concerned, this is what I'm fighting for. Mm. The, the ability to have this, not just on country roads, but on the corner of every city, on the corner of every street, so that your neighborhood 
your, your where you live can be as honest as this. Because compare this to footage that I've seen recently of in Tesco's in the larger cities, they've had to start putting everything in lockboxes to try and prevent people from stealing it. Yeah, everything except the sunscreen. Yeah. And the Father's Day cards. <laughs> yeah. And compare it to the footage that you see coming out of San Francisco where people... Yeah. Will, Everything's in... You'll get, you'll get clown cars of people rushing into a shop and stealing everything. Compare it with the simple, quiet honesty of this. Well, the extinction of the honesty box is downstream of the abolition of the conscience. Well, that's the thing. It's not extinct yet. Yeah. So we should treasure it. Yeah. And like I say, we're, we're always surrounded by the wonders that our civilization brought to us previously, like Cambridge. This is still here. We can still cherish all of this while it's still here. And I hope that it can carry on into the future in perpetuity. But it's in danger. But it's still here. Same with Lincoln. We're surrounded constantly, even in London. Even parts of London, which we've just thrown to the ground and trashed a little bit, because yes, there are some major parts of London, like Brixton, yeah. which are very, very low trust. I wouldn't recommend going there. I always say it, but last time I went to Brixton, there was a robbery that happened right in front of me, and it was very worrying to be in, and I thought I was going to get my, stabbed. My friend by lived some there guy. this year, and he had multiple murders happen outside his doorstep. Yeah. Jesus. That's what they've turned parts of London into. But this image, to me, sums up what London could be. Yeah. Could be if used we can be. get, and, and used to be, and will be when we win. Because that's what we need to do. We need to stop thinking about, oh, what, uh, like everything's doom and gloom. Everything is awful. Everything is failing around us. There may be some truth to that, but there is also a certain truth that you can get by stepping out of your front door and exploring the world and exploring this country and reminding yourself that life goes on. Life goes on. And as long as the English people are still alive, as long as we're still here, England itself will survive in one form or the other. Even if we get, and even if mass migration kills 90%, just a complete apocalypse Jesus. scenario, kills 90% of the population <laughs> out of pogroms, that 10%, if we hole up in somewhere, that somewhere will still be England because we can create the honesty box again because that's who we are. We are the people that live naturally. We naturally create the honesty box through our presence. That's, what I, that's how I see it. Yep, you've got Wells Cathedral, all of these wonderful things. I like what this has been posted in comparison to as well. I saw this the other day. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the child sacrifice in Peru where they were carving open the chest of these kids. And in England, they were completing, what's this, um, Salisbury Cathedral or something. This is well, uh, Wells Cathedral. Oh, Wells Cathedral. It used, to, it used to be painted really garish colors as well, didn't it? I think all of the <clears throat> churches did back in the day because I think it was the Victorians washed it all off because they didn't like it because uh, of the changing attitudes and stuff. But before the Victorians, as long as they were maintained, all of the churches and the architecture was very bright and vibrant. It's a very medieval thing. It is a very medieval thing. Hollywood always portrays the Middle Ages as being like washed out and brown. It's like, no, they had color everywhere. It's horrific. Same as the ancient world. were like, oh, look at these marble statues. Aren't they dignified? Not when they were in, in life. They weren't. They were gross, actually. <laughs> I, I think there's a certain beauty to it. I, there, I like... There, there is, but it's... They're really horrible, garish colors. Whenever you see the restoration, it's just like... Ugh. Well, it's, I, I'm not 
I'm not happy to consider that the entirety of human history before the 20th century was this incredibly grey, somber, I'm not saying they're grey and somber. I, I like to recognise that history was a very bright and vibrant and colourful place where people enjoyed themselves. Because if you, if you believe what you see on the TV, you'd believe that people only learned to smile 50 years ago. Would, but the thing is, you've got to remember that the, um, the, the, generally a lot of things would have look, looked a lot more tacky. Okay. There's a, just like what you can look well, up some restorations of like authentic, sculpture. authentic culture. I'm not saying it's not kind authentic. of tacky. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> it's just that they aged well. Can I, aged really well. Can I also draw attention to the reply to this that says Mexicans built this 700 years before England even existed? Oh, wow. It's you like, built a rubbish triangle. Right. Number one, I'm, I'm sure people are going to say, well, aliens built that instead. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> two, Mexicans couldn't build this. Two, they they definitely aliens. didn't build that 700 years. That just looks like miserable, brutalist architecture. And I'm pretty sure that there are the, <clears> like, graves of infants buried somewhere underneath that. So yeah, I am going to say we're better. I, I, I will say from the sake of sheer mon monumental scale, this is still impressive. Yeah, yeah. This, well, is, this is still thing. very impressive. I couldn't build anything like this myself. I wouldn't want to. Yeah, that's the thing. My, <laughs> the, the eternal Anglo in me looks at it and goes, but why would I build yeah, it like yeah. this? Why wouldn't I make it pretty? <laughs> I just love the idea of going around Angel Mexican. It's like, look at this amazing building. Yeah, what's that for? Sacrificing children. Yeah. yeah it's like, oh. so, we built the head, the steps. Yeah. So you could perfectly kick a head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're true. <laughs> it would build momentum. I don't, I don't think they're as old as what they're claiming. Pretty, I'm pretty sure they're sort of like... It's on the internet. It must be true. Right. Yeah, anyway. yeah. And then we've got things like King Alfred's Tower. Yeah, that, that's only from like the 1700s. Still, still, it's, nice. it's, it's historical yeah, yeah. and it's beautiful. And these are, and it's in the middle of a field somewhere. Yeah, these are just the sorts of things that you can come across. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen walking them. through England, and it's amazing and yep. it's beautiful. And then some of my personal favourites that I always refer to, uh, down in Cornwall, you have the Minack Theatre, mm -hmm. which is a glorious amphitheatre cut into the side of the cliffs by the Romans. It's very, very old structure, and they still put performances on of plays. They might even do really? Shakespeare there. So I've never actually seen a performance there, but I want it's on my bucket list. Have you ever been to an amphitheater? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been to an amphitheater. I've be, I've been there. Oh really? I've, I just there wasn't any performances on when I was there, yeah. but it's it's glorious. Just the atmosphere, standing yeah. at the edge of the cliffs with the uh, sea behind you. It was a uh, quite reminiscent of this shot actually, where you could see the sunset and you yeah. could see the reflection on the water. It was glorious. I've, I've been to a bunch in Greece and one of the things that is always remarkable is just genuinely how well the sound travels. Mm. Like actually, you know, you stand at the bottom and you just speak and the person at the top can hear you really, really well. And so I don't know how they're, they're very well what, built. Yeah, I don't know what, what the physics of it are, but they really do work. And then also in Cornwall, there's mm. St. Michael's Mount, which is a tiny little island with a castle on top of this hill where the uh, walk, uh, walkway is submerged in water when the tide is high. Oh, really? Spirited away. Yeah. Yeah. And when, yeah, exactly. England and Britain in general is a magical fairy tale land. Yeah. And we forget about this because yeah. there are places like this where the tide sweeps over the walkway and it submerges it and there's no way of getting to it. But then when the tide is low, all of a sudden, this magical pathway emerges and you can walk to the mystical fairy tale castle. I've been there. The castle itself is lovely. So it's a fantastic walk, a really, really nice day out. And if you live in this country and you haven't taken the time to explore it, you really should. Because like I say, 
there is a part of this that's tinged with some melancholy because these things are a threat. Everything in England is a threat. The English are a threat. But we are still here and we can still take advantage of everything that this country has to offer because it is so fulfilling to really go and experience it and feel the history when you're in the area because there is an atmosphere when you go there where you, you drink it in. You drink it in and you go, my God, we are amazing. We are really amazing. And it's not just that. We've inherited things that are amazing. You know? Yeah, and it's our duty to look after them. It's oh, cause for gratitude. Care of them. Yeah. And, well, bloody hell, no times I will not sign up for you. There we go. And you can find plenty of lists like this just on the times, and it doesn't have to be architecture. No, it can no, be no. the natural landscape that we're surrounded by. I'm from Cheshire. Cheshire, to me, is possibly the most beautiful place in the world. I'm sure everyone will have different opinions on where it is and it'll probably be more likely to be well no actually where I'm from in England this is the most beautiful place in the world that's fair as well because the whole country is glorious it's the magical fairy tale land where Yorkshire Moors gorgeous parts of Cumbria especially I, I only I've never been to Cumbria actually I went the Lake District earlier this year yeah, absolutely good. go it's it's magnificent there is so much so much to explore and we're still quite a small landmass, yeah. Especially when compared to some uh, a massive continent like North America. But on, when my kids are a bit older, I'm going to go to the Lake District. So it looks yeah. you, you can actually rent for about a week. A, a decent, really nice, really nice cottages up there. Really? A decent price yeah. if you're um, if you're booking far enough in advance. Yeah, Cumbria, Derbyshire, Bath. Uh, yeah, obviously, the Bath. Obviously. Parts of the Cotswolds, which we're right next to. I mean, the, these, like this, genuinely looks like Hobbiton. It does. Like, you, you, yeah, but you go, you go there, you go around there, and it's genuinely like really old houses, and they, you know, the the doors are really low, the roofs are really low, and the whole thing just feels like it's just settled into the ground. Well, that is still like this, so it, yeah. it proves that you can still do this in this day and age. You just have to you have to have bring all to the denizens it. of Mordor in at once. Yeah. <laughs> On what you were saying a second ago, though, Carl, when I was still living in Nantwich, I lived in a Tudor house. Yeah. yeah. And I had to duck under yeah. all of the doorways because they were all shorter back then. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they weren't were. expecting that some six foot three <laughs> Nordic giant would be occupying the house. So just... uh, I had to be very careful not to knock my head. And I still did, which some people watching at home might go, oh, he knocked his head a bit. That explains a lot of your yeah. opinions. Yeah, there you go. That's what they're probably saying. But I mean, this is just such a beautiful Tolkien-esque fairy tale hobbit land, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's best to end it there, really, because that's, that's what I wanted to remind every, everybody of, that we live in a fairy tale land. And while, yes, the fairy tale is um, quite dark at times, hopefully we can still have a happy ending with this. Right. And uh, with that, does anybody have anything else to add? No, just no. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Having a great day. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you next time.